Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, thought leaders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, authors, musicians, you name it, all over the world of crypto and blockchain globally. And I have another amazing guest for you today. He is the Chief Strategy Officer at Galaxy. His name is Rusty Batviv. Rusty, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So we'll kick things off and I'll ask you the first question is, what is your background and is it a logical background for what? <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Great. Great question enough, right? You would think it's simple, but no, I, I think it's not a logical background. I mean, to some degree, right? Um, I'm a, I've always been a founder and entrepreneur, right, for over 15 years now. Uh, so, you know, that's been in my DNA since, you know, my family immigrated here. My father started a company like that kind of thing. So I've really had that always, right? Like as far back as I can remember, I was playing Monopoly and trying to start companies and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of the Web3 space, I think I, I you know, I, I started kind of falling into that space back in, I, I joined a group called Madison Square Garden Ventures, which didn't exist. I was one of the first employees there uh, for MSG. Um, we we kind of launched a strategic venture arm. And in that process of being there for three years or so, we were introduced to, I think, consensus came to us. A, a couple of companies came to us to pitch us like NFT ticketing and just, you know, the, the kind of the future of what blockchain can offer a venue and, you know, entertainment overall. So I think that was sort of my foray into it. Of course, I was familiar with, you know, with Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. And then we also looked at Crypto Kitties back in like 2016 and just looking at it. And it was such a spectacle. People were spending six and seven figures on, on digital cats and, and whatnot. So it was, a, it was a pretty cool foray into it. Um, I think in 2018 or early 2019 or so, I crossed paths with, uh, with you know, with Spencer Dinwiddie, which is one of our co-founders uh, of the Brooklyn Nets, who was on the Brooklyn Nets at the time, has gone to, I think, to Washington, to the Mavericks, and then back to back to Brooklyn now, um, full circle. But we crossed paths and started talking about, you know, helping him with some, with some investments. He was doing angel investing, really good stuff. He had great access, but we were trying to kind of formalize the fund. All at the same time, he was tokenizing or securitizing his MBA contract which was a really cool thing that I got, you know, was lucky enough to get involved with. And then he had this whole vision for what is now called Galaxy, um, which really kind of like, you know, sucked me in or brought me in full, fully into the Web3 space. So I've been been in it since like operating since 2018, 2019. So I wouldn't call myself like a, you know, proper OG in the space, but that that's kind of my, my, my fallings into it, if you will. Awesome. So you mentioned Galaxy. What is Galaxy all about? Yeah, Galaxy has, has evolved a lot, right? I think Galaxy is, so our two co-founders being, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, as I mentioned, is one of them. Our other co-founders, our CEO, Solo Cisse, um, they both come from this world of, you know, Solo was, a, you know, he played, he was an Ivy League guy, but he played at Penn, but he was a D, you know, D1 football player. He happened to go to high school with a bunch of, you know, now NFL players and, and other, other athletes, including like Ezekiel Elliott and some others. And so... They were just both in this network of creators, athletes, and, and so on. That was something you can't really buy into. And so they had a totally unique perspective of, of what you know what everything could be and should be in the creator economy. Um, right now, if you ask me what is Galaxy, Galaxy is a, a social wallet, right? It, it, and what that actually means is it's a, it's a wallet that you can actually do stuff with. Is, is kind of how Solo likes to put it. Um, it's a, you know we're all even as crypto native people, where you know you have to have your you know your public keys and you have to have all these like elements of. Of, of access and of, 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 you know, being able to transfer money is not as simple as it should be. And so we, we really wanted to simplify it. And so through, through our chief design officer, Chad Weston and, and the visions of solo and chat and uh, Spencer, they created this, you know, beautiful UX that's, you know, very like 
call it Web 2-esque, very familiar to most people, yet you're navigating, you know, the, the world of Web 3 in a very simple way. So it's like, you know, sending crypto through DM is something we recently um, announced or sending digital assets through DM is something we recently announced. And it's kind of logical, right? It's just like I send you a text of a picture. I could send you, you know, whether it's, again, a digital asset like an NFT or I could send you, you know, USDC, HBAR, whatever, Bitcoin. So it's as simple as a text. There's no public keys. It's just name service, right? So if, if you were at Jamil, I could just, you know, quickly send that Jamil, boom, here's your message and you would get it. So just trying to simplify and, and um, you know, make it fun to use. And of course, uh, when I say, uh, it's it's a wallet you can actually use, you know, building partnerships with as many as many projects and groups as possible. So, you know, you can go buy, I think Spencer used to say, you know, buy a loaf of bread or buy a house, like all with, you know, with crypto. So that's kind of what it is. There's obviously a lot more elements and it's fully customizable, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, so this is the second time I've interviewed um, somebody speaking about Galaxy. The first person a couple of years ago was Dr. Lehman Baird. There, yeah. uh, and you, uh, you just mentioned HBAR. Um, so I know one, uh, one of your tenants, one of your strengths is, is speed. Yes. Uh, what are some of the other strengths that you bring to the table with Galaxy? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great call out. So yeah, we're built, we're built on Hedera, right? On, on HBAR. So we're, we, we did build a, a secondary, like a protocol that it's a whole longer story, but essentially strengths wise, right? I think we have fixed fees because of Hedera. So the whole fluctuating, you know, gas fees and all that kind of stuff doesn't exist on our platform. A lot of the stuff is actually just covered by Galaxy, but like, you know, I think even NFTs to a big degree are covered, but uh, minimal fees, very fast, reliable, safe, secure, like that, that kind of aspect. We're also like, while of course we have a ton of native Web3 users and that's kind of what we're, what we're targeting too, we're also targeting mainstream users where we take a ton of the crypto and just put it under the hood. So I think one of our strengths is really, again, I just mentioned it, but is our UX, right? It, uh, the, the the navigation of the application is very simple, right? It's very easy. It's very like visual. It's, it's very appeasing. So that that's a big deal. We like, it's, you know, it's, we lead through design and we, you know, we navigate through design. Um, so that that's among our strengths. And then having people that are actually relevant that you might've heard of that, you know, are actually on the application. That's a big deal. Um, and then at this early stage, like if you, if you were trying to do something with threads or with, you know, with X, like they're not going to listen to most people at this stage. So just by virtue of just being a young company or, and again, by having a one degree of separation of all these athletes and celebrities and creators, people that are used to operating in like the cameos and the Patreons and like, you know, the, the Twitters and or X, excuse me, uh, Instagrams of the world, they're giving us so much like, you know, invaluable feedback and insight as to what is actually relevant and useful for them, as well as fans as well, you know, users as well, not just creators, but it's a, a little bit of a chicken and egg. So that, that's, that's been a big advantage, at least in the building stage so far. Awesome. Um, so there's been a couple of recent sales, big, big name sales recently. There was a Van Gogh inspired mm -hmm. NFC and there was the Disney Pinnacle launch. You know, um, how do you feel the public interest in NFTs has been reinvigorated? Because it was, and I would say, you know, uh, in a crypto winter itself. Yeah, that's it's true, right? We went we went from, you know, I mentioned CryptoKitties way earlier, but we went from NBA Top Shop blowing up and, and, and of course, like the, you know, Board Ape Yacht Club and all these things to, yeah, to a crypto winter, essentially. Um, so it depends on what you mean by the public, right? I think. If, if the public is the the people that are at least like focusing or paying attention to this space, then yes, I think everyone feels, you know, the the bull, the bull market coming and, and obviously Bitcoin breaking 40K and all that kind of stuff. There's there's definitely signals and and, and, and sentiment that's pointing towards positive directions. And we, we feel that way as well. I feel that way personally. 
Um, the general public, I think it's great to see things like this, right? The Van Gogh selling for what a few million, two point five million or whatever it was. I think it's a spectacle and it's and it's a good marker, right? It's no different than seeing you know a traditional piece of art or or some house going for sale for some hundred million dollar number because it's like it'll get into the mainstream news just enough to draw attention. And Van Gogh is a name, right? So like people do, oh, that's interesting. So I think the more things like that that happen, the better because people are, become a little bit more familiar and comfortable with that idea. That it took, you know, that you can spend a million dollars or multi million dollars on something like this. Not that it's accessible to everybody, but that's still very cool and 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 uh, legitimizing of the space. So I think that that's a very positive marker. Um, but we're, you know, it's not that we're a ways out from a time perspective, but it's more like from a utility and a functionality perspective to where everyone is, even if they don't know it, kind of like on Galaxy that they're using an NFT or, or buying an NFT or whatever. So I think that's sort of the next step is the is, is like. How do we build it into their every, you know, into when they order a Starbucks or when, the, you know, when they when they buy an experience with a creator and underneath the hood, it is an NFT. It, again, it's no different than your receipt, right? Disney and other things that have come up recently are kind of in that realm where you don't necessarily have to be tech savvy or, or aware of it. You could be a kid or a grandparent and you have this, you know, this this pinnacle pin or whatever. So, um, yeah, things things like that, I think, are, are the right going in the right direction. Awesome. I have yet to see that on the entrepreneur side though right um uh, i'd say 40 percent of my podcast up until you know uh late 2020 2022 were nfts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whole entire the whole entire to me i haven't had you're the first nft uh you know uh, interview i've had in a little while <laughs> so you know <laughs> what do you see as far as the entrepreneur you know side of things and and where's where's that headed or what's the thought and the basis there yeah, absolutely. It makes sense that that would be the trend right now. So it's a combination of things. I, I think, you know, when, when things are hot, right, AI is hot, right? When, when things are hot and buzzy, entrepreneurs, not that they're just following, you know, sort of chasing what the wind, because I hope that there's conviction and, and, and belief beyond what's hot in the market. But and I'm also uh, actually I'm actually an investor as well. So I, and I still actively invest. So I, I do see that. Right. And I think like when Web3 was hot, everyone was, you know, at least like wrinkling in web three into their deck and into their vision and oh we're going to do nfts and so on and so forth um and just like with ai right everyone's sort of like tangling in ai now to their vision uh, i th i think it of, of course it, as soon as the bull market's here and in general just as that trend comes back yeah people will entrepreneurs will dive right back into it I i'd like to think that it will be led again to get into mainstream especially by more name brands right by seeing van gogh and disney and starbucks and, and uber and things like that come in that will make the everyday people much more comfortable and 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 you know feel feeling more confident in this process, whatever shape it might take. Um, again, I, I don't think of NFTs too much different. While we're used to seeing them as like art or something, I don't think of too much different as from like a receipt or from some kind of like coupon. Or again, I don't mean to like put any negative connotation on it. I don't feel that way at all. I think it's positive, right? It's it's a proof of it's it's a track record. It, it could be utility. It could be you know again that's why I said coupon. It could mean something, and and I think like that's that's where it just gets. Um, uh, that's where it gets exposed to most people in everyday lives is when it comes to like those things. Whereas entrepreneurs and startups like that will, will, will always be on the forefront of things. And that's great, but it doesn't necessarily touch like an everyday person until it gets to that mainstream piece, right? Again, Dapper might be a breakthrough, but Dapper Labs might be the breakthrough there. But even then they had the NBA, right? The NBA top shot moment was what brought the mainstream audience to town. Not so much that it was like, again, an NFT on its own in its own right. Got it. Yep. Makes sense. Um, so creator, you said creator. Um, 
blockchain technology and how can blockchain technology and custom customized creator uh, crypto tokens benefit both creators and fans? And how do you, how can you redefine that creator fan relationship? Yeah, it's so. This is where I, I think I said early on that you know we, we've evolved as a, as a company, and naturally so. Initially, we were you know a creator token project uh, almost exclusively. We pivoted not necessarily for there are specific reasons, mostly around regulatory, which I'll touch on here. But I think you know to answer the question directly, I think there's a ton of potential in in, in that realm, right? In creator tokens and how they can benefit, whether it's you know something like early access to a creator or you've discovered like an up and coming creator and you can get into their token. And I don't even mean to call it as an investment. I'm more thinking like I'm supporting an artist or I'm supporting someone who I, whose content I, I just enjoy. Right. It's not necessarily for financial gain, but there is an element where you could, you know, be a backer of someone's token or someone's um, like sort of rise to stardom uh, at an early stage where you come in and it's at a you know minimal value. It's, it's whether it's a penny or a dollar or whatever the heck their token can cost. And all of a sudden, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and he has more of a following, he or she has more of a following. Now it's worth ten dollars or a hundred dollars. Again, I don't think that they're necessarily made to be speculative and and financial instruments. I, I more saw it as again utility use cases. But I get that that's a that's a realm. I think we saw that with like. You know, BitClout was the idea there. You know, I think like companies like I think Rally doesn't exist anymore. That Rally, uh, Rally and Roll, right? There are companies that are in fact doing creator tokens. Uh, I think there's there are immense benefits theoretically, but it just you know, can you put it into action without regulatory knocking you over the head? So until that's more clear, we you know we as Cat Galaxy have just have sort of pivoted away from that. We still have the infrastructure and the technology technically, but we're just not not doing that. Um, instead, we, we, we've taken an NFT approach where technically every, like, you, you know, we, we, we offer, um, you know, you can offer a video call, kind of like Cameo, right? a video call to, a, to, a, to a, a user, or you can offer like an in real life experience, whatever it is that you're offering under the hood, that access that you're buying is actually an NFT, like an NFT voucher. You don't need to know that it doesn't really matter. Like, but it's, you know, if you look on the chain, it is that. Um, so, you know, we, we took that approach, but in general, yes, I think there's value. It just depends on how it's put and then how it's, re you know, regulated. Well, you said the magic word three times. Um, there's, you know, you said regulated. <laughs> so, um, I don't think of NFTs as having the need of being re as regulated as some other cryptos. Like, you know, um, I guess not, it's not going to be. I don't think SEC has a problem with Ethereum or Bitcoin, but like all the other ten thousand coins. Um, what, you know. How's the growth in the NFT market inevitable and what needs to happen on the regulatory side? What regulations do you see as something that would help, um, you know, guide or direct the market? Yeah, that, again, that is the magic words there. I, I mean, ideally, it would just at least put a flag on the ground one way or the other. That That's I think that's the biggest you know pain point right now is that it, it's just a ton of gray coming from the regulators, right? Coming from the government and the SEC and and so on because they won't say it one way or the other, or at least it's too so novel that it's all case by case, right? I know we all know that there's you know, the Dapper Labs case going on with you know are is are there NFTs deemed securities or not? You know, again, I vote sort of not, but it, it just depends on 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 the the definition and the perspective. So, you know, the first point is to put a flag in the ground and say, hey, either even if you just say all NFTs, all NFTs are not the same and we have to judge them case by case or here are the characteristics that would define security, which theoretically exists. Right. Uh, or or not. So I think that's that's sort of the first step. The second step is, is, is taking that that following thing, follow up, which is, OK, blanketly speaking, no, no NFTs are securities or if it has this, this and that it is and it isn't. It's like, again, just sort of connecting the dots of what I previously said. 
so I think that that's necessary and needed, right? And and I I don't personally anticipate that to happen in this particular administration, just because it's like the last you know the last twelve months, it's going to be difficult for them to really focus on this. Plus, even if they do in fact enact something, it may there's a decent chance, at least a fifty percent chance, right, that it gets overturned on the next administration. So that's the you know a little bit of the frustration we're all operating within. But it's, you know, I anticipate this will become a standard thing definitely in the next decade, let alone hopefully sooner, to where we don't have to worry about this anymore. And then it could flourish, right? I think at that point, there will be less risk, less, you know, uncertainty, and people can can move forward. Like a big reason we we pivoted away from our, our approach was, in fact, this, right? It was legal and, and, and that risk of like, hey, look what's going on. And look, I get it, right? There's rug pulls that have occurred and, they, you know, the, the, the government does not want to have, you know, everyday people, right? Joe and Jane type of people get manipulated or tricked into into poor investments or you know losing their money essentially, which there's always bad actors and that is unfortunate. Um even again, some of these creators that have like seemingly they rug pulled, it was never them, I'm sure, right? They were promised something and they made a deal and uh, you know, maybe it was ill advised. They made their money and they pulled out. And that's kind of against the nature of what at least we're trying to build. We want this to be, you know, like we say, it's your galaxy, right? We want the, the whether it's the social space and the data behind it, or in this case, like tokens or NFTs, we want it to be your world. So if you have a community that you're engaging with, you know, in, in the crypto hipster podcast, um, you know, whatever title, that's your world and it's yours. It's not ours. Like, you know, yes, maybe we take some cut, but in general, like you take it, you control it, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of the vision we see. Um, again, a little bit long-winded because I don't think there's a clear answer, quite frankly, and unfortunately, but yeah, we want, more clarity is the bottom line and then a ruling so we can all kind of you know go one way or the other i agree with you i agree i agree i agree with the with the gray area you know Mm -hmm. because had a lot you had a lot of vcs who created you know uh different styles of of pf pdfs you know or you know whatever you had that um and they're not artists but then you had legitimate artists Mm -hmm. you know who for the first time in their lives were able to monetize their work, right? So how as a buyer or as a collector or as an investor in NFTs, can you can you cut through the, the chase and say, hey, this is legit, this is a money grab, this is, you know, I'm supporting an artist here, I'm I'm throwing my money into the like how do you like what guidelines and what what you know what's your mandate or roadmap for being able to do that? Yeah, again, a great, great positioning question. And again, I'm, you know, I'm not a financial advisor and anything like that in, ter- in terms of this realm, right? Um, I would say as a user, like, be ready to just be satisfied with whatever, like, the item is that you're that you're buying, right? If it has anything to do with financial upside or, and again, like, the caveat there is I might buy, you know, a LeBron James rookie card, right? Or something like that in terms of sports and collectibles, if you want to, like, go sort of apples to apples. And then I perceive a future value. I might enjoy owning that card and having that card. Because I might be a LeBron fan, and at the same time, in the back of my head, I think I just found an old. I was showing my. I have a five-year-old, and I was showing him some old sports cards I had from forever ago, and I found like a Kobe Bryant rookie card, just for pure fun. Like I didn't care about the value when I bought it. I'm sure I looked it up, and it's worth like five hundred dollars. Was like, oh wow! Like I definitely didn't pay anything for that card. You know, like in that sense. So I think just be satisfied with like the the art that you're buying or anything else, and then the rest will sort of come. Right. If, if, if you if you happen to buy an NFT of an art of an art, you know, Van Gogh or, or even just an up and coming uh, artist. And then it so happens to grow in value in the future. Amazing. Good for you. And then you could decide if you want to sell it or keep it. But the hope is that, you know, you're buying the value now in terms of like you like the thing, you know, it brings you joy or whatever the reasons are. 
everything else, if you're like truly speculatively approaching NFTs to like, you know, for profit, I, I really can't comment too much because I think, yeah, it's clearly gray and risky and you don't know. It could get shut down or it could stay up or there might be, you know, second. There's always seemingly always secondary ways to sell it. But, you know, it, it, it's tough. <laughs> I think like you have to be in that space and care and naturally until again, as we just said, until there's clear regulatory stuff even like taxes, like it's really hard to even deal with, understand how you, you know, how you do your taxes on that front. So not too many CPAs out there have that much experience or exposure in this space. So like that just brings a whole other level of, level of difficulty. You know, do you only report when you sell it? Like, you know, what about if you got one for free or you bought one, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, hopefully that kind of answers that. It does. I've been a baseball card collector since 1979 nice. and movie poster collector since 1990. Yeah. So, I don't know if they, I don't know the values on them, but I know I enjoy it as a hobby. Exactly. And by the way, I, I just, I, not recently, maybe three, four or five months ago, I saw a group launching specifically for movie posters for NFTs. Maybe it was like six months ago, but I don't know that they're still around. Like they had, uh, maybe, maybe they are, they, they had uh, some IP for, I want to say Apollo or the Creed movies. They had a couple IPs that were interesting. Um, and then we started talking about, you know, could they do like the movie shorts, like the, the actual trailers or clips? Could those be NFTs? People love sending those back and forth, like, you know, like YouTube shorts and stuff. So a lot, a lot there. So it's, it's a cool space. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to shift a little bit. Yeah. I want to shift to, uh, to gaming, right? Uh, now, how could NFTs, do you think, empower a new gaming experience and offer for gamers to enter Web3? Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. I love not as much time for game these days, but you know, love, love the gaming space. I've been active on the investment side in the gaming space and just overall, since I was, you know, since I was a young kid as well. Um, I think in a way it is a good comparison to the baseball car world too, where it's like the behavior is maybe similar, right? Like if you're used to playing certain games that where you could buy, you know, digital assets in the game, skins, maps, like whatever, you know, advantages, bonuses, like whatever, it's not necessarily too different from that space. It just, it gives you something maybe, out of the game world right so like can, can you bring something over from one game to the other can you bring um for your profile or for you know your own like sort of creator persona or um, player persona it just depends on like kind of what we're talking about right if we're talking about like call of duty and you're talking about maps and guns okay maybe that stays in that world but if you're talking about again like your profile on the overall platform you could do a lot more interesting things too um i think it is a very natural like those are they're like almost like cousins right it's very natural related space where it's tangentially like the next step um the gaming world is much more used to that behavior, right? They're used to spending on digital goods. Therefore, an NFT is not some crazy leap of like, what am I putting my money towards? So I think like that, that's already a great half step. I've seen a ton of projects going into this space um, that are trying to, you know, again, sell, sell, sell things in this space or just have a marketplace. Um, and then even sort of before the rise of the Web3 stuff, I, I remember looking at companies that were just selling uh, digital assets within the game, like as a third party. And that was like the big step of like, well, this is not in the game world you have to go buy this on you know and, and they could be imported into steam and whatever else but like it was like this weird you know third party place that was not commonplace now and i think that's kind of where this is right or depending on what we're talking about but you know are you buying something on OpenSea for a game or or is there like a new market that launches in the like the playstation network and that's where it is and it's applicable to all games again it seems very very like you know again natural and organic to be um the the gateway in and then it really provides a ton of new revenue pathways for the publishers and for, you know, even for theoretically for artists that might be able to, you know, like whether it's like 
um, the games where you can have a lot of user generated content, they can, you know, do stuff and sell it and so on and so forth. So I think it just brings a lot more validity that way. And then everything's again, as always on chain. So you get all the other benefits of sort of the you know, blockchain technology where you're able to prove things and show, Hey, yeah, I made this, or I did this map or whatever, you know, whatever the relevancy here is. Interesting. So I, I, I want to get a, I want to get a sense of where we're at as far as the gaming and NFT intersections right now. Because two years ago, people were making money on play to earn. And I understand oh, yeah. play to earn went away, right? Um, and and then there was M, like massive games, you know, then, yeah. then it, again, what's the current lay of the land? Yeah, again, good call outs, right? I think play to earn, in my opinion, still has a ton of legs. And again, there are there might be some regulatory stuff there too. And, 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 and like, I'm, what's the word I'm looking for, like sensitivity from the publisher's perspective, right? They want to capture most of the revenue uh, versus anyone else, but naturally, right? And then in terms of like the sort of Pokemon Go style, like, Matt, you know, Matt, what is it, the MMO type of games, um, that seems like such a great fun place to be in too, right? So the idea of like, I can go on a scavenger hunt in real life through my, you know, through my phone, through some gaming system. And, and by virtue of finding something, I get an NFT for that. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, the, the, other, the other angles I think are, you know, can, can there be, you know, clout, right? I guess is the way to put it, right? As someone that like maybe builds, like you might have the best something, whether it's Pokemon Go collection or something else. And so I think like that's, you know, social proofing is the word I was trying to go for, right? Can, can you find a way to like to brag or to show off or to have your clout and say, look, check me out. Like I do all these things. And now here's a way I could showcase it. Whereas that was kind of more locked into, into a different place before. Um, you know, I, I, we're we're fortunate enough to have a few investors that are in the game public, so Animoca and, and We Made and some others that are in the gaming space, and we at, at Galaxy see a ton of opportunity to like open up the IP and to like get the fans of each whatever the IP is of each game to have you know unique interactive points with either like game characters or just like maybe even the, the, the developers of the game or, or feedback or even if it's just collectibles and kind of like you know you go to a concert and you can get the poster and and, and and like the shirt a similar world where like you know there could be unique drops for the game and usually i think the gaming windows are like i don't remember if it's 18 months or a couple years three years where like they keep the online community alive and then they kind of move on because new games have come out it's like fifa madden that kind of stuff so this is another way to keep that going either longer or more in more depth so i think like it's still evolving and we're, we're still at the early, early stages of like what web three and gaming could, could actually uh, produce. But I would point to, again, to like the Animokas of the world to say like, they're, they're definitely in thinking about that every day and leading. I mean, we know that team well, so we want to empower an Animoka and all of their IP, whether it's native or, or, you know, who they publish for to, to jump onto like, again, having galaxy or their own version of that and creating their own communities, engaging, monetizing and so on and so forth. So like that's, we're, we're building exactly towards that. Awesome. So that's a huge organization, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there are others that you're working with. Um, and I'll talk about those organizations, right? So um, another concept that came up is NFT token bound accounts. Mm -hmm. right? First of all, I want to find out what they are and then how they can help organizations get off the fence and participate in the NFT economy. Yeah, it's a great space. I, I I like to, in a way, I like to refer to it as like the way we say Web3, I like to say sort of like loyalty, you know, loyalty 3.0 or like, you know, advertising 3.0. So, it, you know, there's a couple ways to do that, whether it's something like like a subscription model or a fan club or which, you know, we have those functionalities. 
traditionally, if you look at something like Patreon, right, or or even like Substack, where you, you're paying to subscribe to, to content, to premium content or exclusive content that's only on that platform, that's been, you know, we, we've had, we have versions of that even for like the social feed, let alone the actual content stuff. Um, and the idea, I think, is either you have to, you know, pay a monthly subscription, and it could be in a digital asset crypto or not, or you have to have a certain token. So like, again, let's say you're in, you know, you, you own a board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, NFT, you have to have that NFT, you know, uh, some NFT from from that collection or from that from that group to then enter this community at all, right? And, and, and that that that's your ticket in essentially. Um, so we, you know, again, we have the functionality that we you know we offer exactly for that, where you can kind of choose if it's public, private, uh, subscription fee or token gated, as we call it, same thing. So you know, that's that's a that's the first part, and the second part is how can organizations come into the space. Off the fence to you know to come into the space. I think again, it's very naturally. A lot of them are already doing things like that, right? So looking at Starbucks or or you know Delta or any of the you know Mastercard, any any of these groups that have loyalty points or cards, it's it's really the same element, right? It's just joining their club, except the, the hopefully the, there's more value in it. Meaning maybe there's more data for the publisher. Maybe there's just more opportunities to engage directly. Maybe it's more cost effective versus like you know, doing the traditional, you know, traditional ads that they're doing, because they can at any point engage right now and say, hey, like, we're doing a drop. And, you know, the first 100 people to get it or to react, they get something or the first million people, depending on the scale. I think, again, Disney will be a great use case, although I assume, I assume because we, we know Dapper well, and, and, you know, we don't know Disney like that. But I assume they thought there are smart people there that, you know, they thought about a lot of use cases, and they're starting with a very simple use case. Because there's clearly a ton more to you know to to, to peel that onion, if you will, or uh, because they're just doing like the pin collections, but you could do so much more. So I think like seeing this is a very positive signal of of just getting into the space. Uh, again, I keep saying Starbucks and Uber over, over and over again because I think those are just like day, <clears throat> excuse me, daily activities that people are doing. Right, they're taking an Uber, they're buying a coffee, and there could be so much to be had there. And, and again, it could even incorporate each other or other artists to come in and do stuff. Like it, there's just a lot to do. I don't mean to speak in generalities, but I just unless we're going to go specific and unpack, like you know, it, it's just, I think we're like one percent of the potential of what it could be. Maybe that's a little dramatic, but within one to ten percent of what it could be. See, I I thought Disney was going to do like pictures of rides and have right. those these and not do the pins, right? But <clears throat> you yeah. know, you made it an interesting point because you know, Mastercards and Visas, the way that rewards have worked is they work through nudge economics, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, promoting an NFT is a little different having nudge economics. So how do you, how do you bring the NFTs into the nudge economy? Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to say it. So again, like just by virtue of how we're doing it and my personal approach is very much, again, for the mainstream audience, put it under the hood, right? Make the NFT like the mechanism of how it's happening. And you could still stick with the nudge or like the Web2 traditional you know, giveaways, a chance to win, like dynamics, or even just like, you know, earn points and then get something. But the but the shift is like how it's being done and, and it's on, on chain and all that kind of stuff. And again, it opens up to a lot of like cross-border opportunities. I mean, I know you can kind of do that with like your Delta Sky Miles or, or your Amex points where you, there's there's sites, again, third-party sites that allow you to like shift and transfer and, and, and get more value and that kind of stuff. Well, this, this will bring that home and bring it all into one place. And again, allow the main publisher of the loyalty points. So whether again it's Amex or Starbucks in this case, to to like bring in other other event, you know, other um, uh, partners to then have value there too. So like I'm I'm Starbucks, I might bring in Target to offer something. Or again, Disney is a better example because there's more collaboration. I thought about that exact use case that you mentioned, Jamil, which is like everyone they sell the pictures of you like falling off of whatever Space Mountain or whatever the splash you know Splash Mountain. 
it's the same idea, right? It's that exact picture should just be your NFT. Like, there you go. Um, so I think, you know, by putting it underneath the hood initially is, is one way. Or again, you know, like if I buy a shirt from Disney or my Mickey ears, why can't I have a digital proof of that? You know, maybe now part of the experience is I get, you know, your picture is taken and your NFT is with you in your ears or something else or Mickey giving them to you. And then there's a chance to talk to Mickey or win a ride or 10% off your next time at the park. There's like a million little trinkles. So your nudge pieces are right there kind of giving breadcrumbs to, you know, for the next time or for, you know, more engagement or for more revenue opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And again, for, I, I remember, you know, when I was at MSG, I had a smart city, smart venue background. And I remember thinking like, man, you know, we have all this data. Like we know well, we should have all this data. We didn't necessarily have it. We owned a bunch of venues. We had a bunch of partners. We owned restaurants and so on. And, and Delta was a partner. So like, why couldn't I draw this amazing heat map of like, here's a, you know, a season ticket holder for the Knicks. He also went to the Rockettes and the Christmas Spectacular. He or she, he went to Macy's and he went to, you know, he drives a Lexus. And like, all of a sudden you have a very valuable data picture. Again, maybe that's a little bit antithetical of like, what Web3 is striving towards with decentralization, but in that world where that still matters to them, right? I think that's a great key in is like, look, more data, more, you know, easy integrations and so on. Awesome. Um, so would there be a way in the future to capture data so that these organizations can feel comfortable coming in? So how, and how do they, how do they do that? Absolutely. Right. I think a lot of it is still in the it should be right to keep it proper in the sort of opt in opt out realm, meaning as a user, I can always opt out of it. And that's fine. But if I'm if I'm able to show you well, again, be it if whatever organization I might be, if I'm able to show you value or to bring you, you know, like ten, casually some exchange of value, whether it's, again, a 10 percent discount or buy one or a trial, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the hook or the nudge is there. If I'm able to offer you that and then you say, yeah, I'll opt in and now I can, you know, I'll give you my phone number or my email or my face or whatever, you know, whatever it is that I'm giving you. Like the trade seems way more um, like a, cons you know, consensual, right? You're, 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 you're consenting to it. That's one thing. And be like more fair exchange of value versus like I'm scrolling through, you know, Facebook or, or anything else. And now I just, I have to see your ads or even Google, right? I have to see your ads and you have cookies in the background and you're tracking me and blah, blah, blah. At least this this way, you're able to say yes, I, I opt in, or no, I opt out. Again, that's not new. Like that, theoretically, that should have always been existing. Right now, on any app you open, or it will say "ask app not to track," like that kind of thing. But still, this this takes it to the next level, right? I think this takes it to where you can choose what you know. This is not a new idea, but you could choose what ads you're seeing. You could you you can uh, better create value for yourself by saying, "Yeah, I'll take I'll you know I'll, I'll play this game or answer this quiz to get you know ten percent off or whatever it is." So like. I think that's that's kind of the way it's it's almost like bridging the gap of two you know web 2.5 to to bring the the legacy groups whether it's marketers or again or organizations into this world and show them the value i think it's inevitable it's just a matter of the right groups partnering with them to bring them over right so dapper labs taking disney across and so on or, or taking mba across and nfl across etc i agree it sounds good to me i'm looking forward to what the next step is in this industry um, and uh i want to thank you you know, very much for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. I enjoy speaking with you. And, and I have one last question. Probably the easiest one. I'm not calling you out. Um, <laughs> how can people find out more information about you, about Galaxy, about what you do? How can they do that? I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Definitely, likewise, enjoyed the conversation. So appreciate it. Happy to talk again anytime. Um, uh, check us out at Galaxy.com. Uh, we're not in the App Store. We're, we're actually a web app, so it's really easy. Just go to Galaxy.com and check us out. Uh, for me, you can find me on LinkedIn and Rusty Matviev or Twitter. I'm not incredibly active, but I'm there, and I, I'll definitely respond to at Rusty Matviev. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, you know, pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Check us out again. We have we'll have a lot of things coming out 
in, in, in early Q, Q1. And we've already had recently the last couple of weeks things come out. So definitely check us out at Galaxy. We're in our like MVP beta, but it's open and people can check it out. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Jamil. Appreciate it.